welcome to the Mystifony Podcast. This is Season 4, Episode 10. My name is Adil Ahmad, and I have Mystifonia. This week, I'm talking to Patrick, a musician currently in college studying music therapy. Patrick is one of many creative people I've had on the show, and there are lots more coming up this season. I love having artists on. We talked today about how his mom might have miso, how his older sister would tease him about it, and his search for a therapist. This is the first time Patrick has talked to anyone publicly about miso, and as always, I'm grateful to see people coming out and sharing their story. Well, I know I've had a few episodes in the past week, so let's just get to this week's conversation with Patrick. Patrick, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you here. Thanks for having me. So I don't know if you've how many episodes you've heard, but I, I just kind of like to find out where people are from. Yeah, um, I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, but I'm in Boston now. I'm a student, so. Okay, cool. Um, in uh, college, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. This is my gotcha. second year here. Yeah. Gotcha. Are you all remote right now still? Yeah. Um, well, we're doing like a little bit of a hybrid, but. Mm-hmm. I opted to do completely remote still, so that's what I'm doing now. Was that partly a miso-related choice? Um, no, not really. Uh, it's more just like a a precautionary measure. But yeah. um, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because I go to I go to a music school, so I'm just constantly surrounded by sounds everywhere there so. ah oh so you're uh you're in college at uh at, at a music school yeah yeah gotcha okay cool what are you a musician i'm assuming what do you play yeah um well i i go to school for bass guitar and I, I play guitar too and um you know write songs and all that so it's um i, I guess it's in a way kind of ironic but in, a, in another way not so much i guess yeah, no, I mean, this, there's been uh, yeah, a number of, uh, I know a number of musicians, obviously, uh, who have miso. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's sound sensitivity. So uh, that, it's not surprising that, uh, um, you know, a sharp musician would also, uh, you know, ha- have this kind of a, affliction. Um, yeah. So I guess, I guess maybe, how's it been at your college, like when you have been on campus, um, miso wise? Because for a lot of people, it's kind of like they're, uh, often their first time away from home uh, where they actually are most familiar with their environment and now they're kind of in a, in a new uh, new domain how, how 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 was it at least in your in your first year um for me i th- the music part of it itself was never a big issue for me it was honestly more of just the basic classroom stuff that would kind of get to me i think um I think uh, a misconception that a lot of people have about music school is that it's like you're hearing playing music all the time, but it's it's a lot more like normal, any normal institution. So I, I guess it's just like the cl- the quiet classrooms that are my big problem and have been since I was a kid. I know my uh, when I was younger, my mom used to say a lot that. Like when she would drop me off at school, she'd be like, I don't even know how he makes it through the day. So, I mean, and in college, the thing that's different about it is that um, I can kind of just 
like if it gets really bad, I can kind of just walk out, which I have done on numerous occasions. Yeah, when we're older, we have a little bit more control to be a third of of our environment. Um, and in college, in general, you you you're kind of uh, you kind of master of your destiny. Um, yeah, exactly. Are you allowed to then just walk out? Is it like a big scene, or is it uh, <laughs> is it just something you know you got to do your, what you got to do? Um, well. I, you smash I, your base yeah. again at the beginning of the class. <laughs> no, I I don't think anybody. I've never like told any of my teachers or anything why. But if it just got, I I could usually find a way to manage. But um, if for whatever reason I couldn't, I would just kind of sneak out at a certain time, and mm-hmm. they wouldn't really notice. I mean, it's kind of a last resort type of thing, but yeah. Are you able, are you allowed to um, you know wear earbuds or headphones in, in class? Um, yeah, I, I think I could, and nobody would really notice. But to to be honest, I never really even thought to do that until recently. I never really wore them at mm. all until mm. a, a few months ago. Um, the, the yeah, it, I, I feel like it would probably work pretty well in a in a classroom setting though, because usually. The things that are bothering me in that setting are you, generally the sounds of people breathing that I think could be pretty easily drowned out with not even a great pair of earbuds or anything. Right. I mean, if, yeah, if it's breathing, then, uh, yeah, some white noise, brown noise can could probably do the trick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it wouldn't, wouldn't affect if, if your class happens to be like a, you know, interactive class or discussion class. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, um, okay. Okay. So, so you haven't mentioned to any of your teachers, actually you, you, we, we talked a little bit before and you, you haven't really mentioned this to, to anybody. It seems like, right. You haven't talked about it to, with anybody. Um, I, I mean, there are people that know about it. I'm, I'm definitely a little bit, uh, a little bit like, I'm not too frugal talking about it, I guess. Cause, uh, I don't know. Some people don't really think that it, is a real thing some people are more supportive than others and i i I still have a lot of friends back home that kind of like to tease me and they kind of think that it's like a more of like a just being too sensitive type of thing yeah because because i I do think to somebody that doesn't experience it themselves it's a bit at a little bit too general or too abstract for them to kind of understand that it's um, I don't know, diagnosable in a way. Yeah, to them, they probably only relate to it as a as an annoyance kind of thing, yeah. not the um, intense rage. Yeah. Um. So, it's, it's, so okay. So you 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 tend to kind of try not to talk about it. It sounds like because um, because yeah, like many of us experience, it's it's kind of dismissed or worst case. Well, maybe not worst case, but it's uh, sometimes. Uh, you know, get teased or made fun of um, for being too sensitive. Um, so, okay, so you haven't really you haven't really talked about it much. Um, it, when did you actually find out it had a name? Like it was like an official thing that people other people have. Uh, it was probably in high school, I'd say. It's actually funny because I, I was I was listening to one of the other episodes and somebody said that when they found out that it was definable they found out about it because like 
maybe they were having some sort of like they're in some sort of situation where it was bothering them so much that they just straight up searched on Google like I am so annoyed by this sound because <laughs> yeah. I mean I had never really thought to look it up because I just thought it was like a I don't know I just thought it was like a weird tick that I had but one day I looked it up and then it was just like everything was laid out for me and I was like okay this this is kind of good that I can like put a name to this I'm like yeah not crazy <laughs> it's not just me yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's a, a lot of a lot of it ends up being a, a a Google search or somebody shares a link or something, and that's how we find out about it. And then um, many of us just kind of can't stop Google googling it because it's like uh, <laughs> kind of fascinating. Um, it answers a lot of questions about you know our lives, but uh, you know also raises a few. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, um, it definitely does. Did what did you when you found out that when you found out that it had a name, did you you know share it with your family members and stuff? Um, I did with my mom because my mom is probably i i mean i I'm not for sure, but I suspect that my mom has it in some way too ah. and um what the thing that's a little bizarre about it to me though is she says that as she's gotten older she the I, I don't really know if it's like more of a she can manage it better or if the sounds themselves don't bother her as much she said that there it, it seems like from what i know her um spectrum of trigger sounds is a little bit smaller than mine though but it, it seems like a little bit too similar to be like a coincidence so mm. i've kind of over time, the more I've learned about it, I've shared more with her because I don't know, she was always very interested in it from the beginning when I kind of started to try to get to the root of the whole thing. But yeah, since besides that, um, I've shared with her and like a few close friends and I have my girlfriend too. Cause, um, I mean, spending so much you time around here. That. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And it's, it's, I'm very fortunate though, because like I said, a lot of people, um, don't really take it seriously, but, um, a lot of people that know me really well can see that it's not like completely normal. So, so most of the people close to you don't tease you about it. They, they do take it somewhat seriously if, you know, if they don't, um, you know, aren't they, if, you know. They're, they're probably not able to hide all the uh, mask all the triggers or avoid all the triggers but at least they take it seriously and that probably makes a difference yeah yeah for sure because i growing up i had some friends that would like purposely like try to get to me with those kind of things but um no that doesn't really that doesn't really happen <laughs> with uh people that act, kind of take it more seriously i guess Right, right, right. Um, and I guess so. How did it? When did you? When did you kind of first notice it? It seems like uh, um, it seems you. You said earlier that uh, your mom would drop you off and say, "I don't know how he gets through the day." Um, how how early was that? That um, that you were noticing this? My my first memories are probably around ages seven or eight, and the main thing was my my sister was kind of like. It it wasn't one thing she did. She kind of like did all of the things. Like when I was mm -hmm. younger, she um the the 
big one though that I remember when I was younger was her humming. She would hum all the time. And when I was younger, the, I was so I was like seven at the time, and she would have been like eleven or twelve. She liked to kind of exaggerate it more because you know it was fun for her to like pick on her little brother a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, as time has gone on, she realized that it wasn't just like a thing that she could tease me on, and it would, it it was it wasn't it wasn't a. It was like it was honestly like a big source of a lot of our arguments when we were when we were really mm-hmm. young. So those but are the earliest she, memories, though. Yeah, right. But now she's seen the seen the errors of her ways and doesn't <laughs> doesn't do that anymore. Hopefully, <laughs> no, no, not yeah. anymore. No. So when it started with your with your sister, did it start to expand um, as you got older? Yeah, yeah, it definitely did. Because well, around the same time, well. Yeah, because my sister would do that, and then she would also chew really loudly. And mm. my sister really loved peaches, particularly when we were younger. Okay, right. And she, she would eat peaches all the time, and I just could not stand to be around it. And then I feel like the more that that bothered me, the more I was kind of aware of it being something that could happen in the day. So I'd be more, I'd be more aware of other people's chewing. And honestly, to this point, like a lot of people, and uh, to my understanding, the the big thing is like, you know, like loud chewers or people chewing with their mouth open or something. But I, I, I really can't even stand the sound of somebody chewing like with their mouth closed. That, yeah, even that's a big one for me. No, yeah, there's that. There's the swallowing. There's there's a lot of stuff around that area around that uh, process <laughs> yeah. of uh, of uh, consuming food that's that's uh not not ideal um and so i'm assuming then your your parents got kind of like uh, uh thrown into the mix in terms of uh being triggers or or less so uh less so definitely um well yeah not nothing too nothing too uh nothing too horrible but i feel like okay. from well i i i kind of was able growing up to spend a lot of time alone and i feel like it as i'm getting older it's kind of starting to make a little bit more sense why because it's just like it was i needed a lot of time by myself to just kind of really be able to relax because i I feel like yeah 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 because i I had a lot of trouble with i'm sorry Sorry, you go. go Uh, I was just gonna say, uh, not just decompress. Well, not just uh, be alone to avoid sounds, but probably decompress from situations where you were being triggered. So, um, yeah, I can see how you would need extra time. Yeah, alone. Yeah, it does sometimes take a, a little bit of time because I, I I feel like sometimes if like something happens kind of like earlier in my day, it kind of I kind of carry it with me for the rest of the day a little bit. Right. And so, what were you saying earlier about? Um, after we were talking about uh, how you um, you don't need a lot of time alone, um, and it start to make sense, I guess, uh, as you got older. Why yeah, you do that? yeah. Um, well, um, yeah, because I, I had a I had a bit of I had some problems socially growing up because of it. Because I I I, I w- 
my best friend actually for a really long time he was like this like really really intense breather and i it was like to the point where like i wouldn't really want to like spend a lot of time around him and like uh, and then it, it was like what i was saying i start to kind of notice it in other people too so then it was it became like a thing where if i was going into a social situation or something i would be looking for it more instead mm. of noticing it so then i was i felt like i was just kind of like and i it, it's still like this that i just feel like i'm kind of looking for it a lot of the time which kind of it's like really a thing like whether or not i notice but i feel like a lot of the time i'm like looking for it becomes a bit of a spiral yeah yeah um and so that that best friend of yours did that start to wear on the on your friendship with him um well this this was when i was really really young but um it, it was a thing though where like i i i didn't really I was like a little kid, but like I, it was like a thing where like I didn't really want to go to his house after a while. Yeah. yeah. It was like yeah. kind of a thing. <laughs> how did it start to affect, uh, well, how did it affect uh, school, I guess, um, through elementary through high, to high school? Like um, in terms of uh, grades and, and stuff, were you, you know, super distracted or you somehow, um, a lot of people somehow, it, school didn't bother them so much and they were able to make it out alive, but i um, curious how it went for you. It, it really like, I guess it depended on like the people that were sitting like right next to me because through grade school and high school, I did have problems, but it wasn't like every single class that I would be in. But um, there would be a lot of times I can remember being in like middle school and high school where it would be like somebody on my right was like breathing really loud. And then a lot of kids, we would have our backpacks in our classes and like there would be the kid like, shaking his leg like against his backpack and so it'd be like that rustling sound mm. and then also like i couldn't really stand looking at people shaking their legs either so i'd kind of so be the visual like, triggers were hitting you from that age too oh yeah yeah those those are still a definitely a big one for me but i do remember those pretty early on but it would be like a thing where there'd be somebody over there and somebody over there and i'd put like both of my thumbs in my ears but then there's like also like the visual trigger so i'd be like using my fingers to like cover my eyes too so like at, at that point i'm just not really like i there, there's just like kind of no chance of focusing at that point on the material right. or whatever <laughs> so. gotcha and people now are seeing you and probably noticing the behavior and are uh um maybe starting to tease at that point or at least asking questions maybe yeah um no i, th- I think i kind of slipped under the radar a little bit okay. i don't because <laughs> the, the, despite like it having the effect of like you know the flight, fight or flight response i never really like let myself uh i've always been okay about not getting aggressive with people i've tended to be able to remove myself from the situation as opposed to like trying to get somebody to stop. I've, I've never really had a problem with like lashing out on people ex- ex- except like I said, like my sister when I was younger, but other than that, I, I don't think anybody really, I mean, maybe somebody was looking at me and thinking that I looked weird, but I don't, I don't think they would have thought that that was why. 
Yeah, gotcha. And, and so, um, yeah, other than like shoving your fingers in your ears and, and that, did you start to develop any other coping mechanisms? Um, other than leaving situation where maybe, I don't know, um, using headphones or any kind of, uh, um, yeah, the, uh, any other, well, I guess those are the main coping mechanisms, I guess, that we, that we have. I'm just curious how you, how you made it or maybe make up excuses to leave the classroom. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, I never used headphones at that point. I, like I said, I've only started to do that recently. But um, yeah, see, the thing is, I, I, I don't think that I have a, a good way of coping without removing myself. So uh, m- most of the time now and then it's just kind of like sitting through it. Or if I have the option to leave, then I will. But what do you do when you sit through it? Like, do you uh, do you just let it um, fester inside, or is there any? Uh, I, I've heard some people will kind of like try to focus on something in the room and try to keep their mind off of the sound. Um, <laughs> curious, what, curious what you do if you do anything. Yeah, I, I feel like I, a lot of the time, unfortunately, I just kind of let it fester a bit. But there, I have tried to like redirect my focus onto other things but i feel like sometimes that would make me even more agitated because i would like try to focus on something else and then i would get upset that i couldn't focus on the other thing yeah so then i would just get it would just kind of like snowball so most of the time it, it was a lot of just like waiting it out but like it was like uh like the moment that that like bell rang when I was a kid or something. It was like, just like so much relief, you know? <laughs> right. Then you, just have, you don't have, you only have your sister to avoid, to deal with when you get home. So which yeah. is probably better than the entire class. Yeah, exactly. Um, so as you were getting older through, through school, how did, um, how did it kind of, how did your social circles kind of play out? Did it uh, start to limit who you were able to hang out with? Um, not really, no, because, uh, most of the friends that I started to make from, I guess, like, ages, like, 13 on were all my musician friends. Mm. So, so we would just play music all the time. And, yeah, no, like, a lot of the friends I had from then on weren't a lot of friends that I would hang out with that much. Like there were a lot of friends that we would just, I would play music with. And that was like, that was kind of it for a lot of them. So it was like in a scenario where like, we're, and especially at that time, like we we're playing like really loud music. So there's like, like you can't hear anything else. So. Right. Yeah. Did you, did the music you were listening to or making maybe somehow um, influenced by misophonia, like, you know, louder of more noisy kind of music was you felt you felt better with or um uh, or do you think it's totally random it's totally taste um I, I when i was younger definitely i would listen to a lot of louder music i i don't really anymore but uh i think um even like cuz uh i guess since i since i got to college i started playing like a lot of jazz and stuff but I, I still listen to that music on like the full volume in my car and, <laughs> you know, at home and in my headphones and stuff. I always 
find myself getting all the way like I'm getting the volume all the way up because I I, I don't know it's I, I think it I guess it's more uh, manifest in the way that I listen to music because I like to be able to completely drown out all other sound with it right right um, and how about um, I guess how about uh, well how about maybe your your uh, your current girlfriend um, did you, well actually maybe before that did it did it start to affect like relationships that you had um, uh, growing up well actually growing up I never really I never really um, I never really did that that much especially like in high school I was uh, like I said I was just like spending a lot of time in high school like by myself and making mm -hmm. music and stuff that's kind of what I was doing at that time and actually um, it's kind of interesting because I, I never really like thought that that would I, I never really thought that that would kind of factor into the whole thing but um, because I, I think the uh, my I guess my uh, reactions to things and the certain triggers like kind of wax and wane a little bit like certain ones like kind of like phase in to be like the really prominent ones <laughs> that are bothering me and then like it's like I don't know if you have like kind of like a push and pull with these things but I've kind of experienced that a little bit so you've had like uh, over oh, you mean over a period of like uh, months or years kind of thing like you have some triggers that are that are kind of like are bigger ones for you and and other times it's it's different triggers in or are you talking about within a day or within a, a moment I guess just like over like longer periods of time because yeah. uh, when I was younger, it used to be different ones than it is now. And like, I think it's, I think it's like the ones that I'm exposed to the most are the ones that are the most triggering to me. Uh, yeah. I've never, I guess, yeah, I've, I've never heard of it or thought about it in terms of uh, uh, groups of triggers kind of going up and down over time. It just, everyone just kind of thinks of it as um, constant, like a, uh, Second law of thermodynamics, it just keeps getting worse, more entropy. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, but but I mean that makes sense that it would be um, based on whatever you're most exposed to. Um, I'm curious if you start to get your uh, if you start to be around your childhood triggers more, if those would just come back just like before. Yeah, probably. Because I, I feel like when I think about those sounds, like in retrospect, I'm like that couldn't be that bad, but like. I feel like oh, yeah. if I were actually no, in the situation, it would be completely yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and did your um, you, you know, did your family member? Well, maybe not your sister, but did they actively try to not uh, trigger you um, growing up, even before you knew it had it was a it had a name? Um, I don't, I don't. I guess I don't, your parents I don't didn't think really so. trigger you, but yeah. Yeah, well, my I think my mom my mom did because uh, a big one because my mom used to do like the humming thing a lot too, mm -hmm. not as much, but and then also like the chewing thing. But my my mom is uh, it's kind of, I'm kind of like blessed because my mom's just like very quiet, like and like does not make a lot of noise of any kind all the time. So it's I got kind of lucky there. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um... Yeah, and I guess yeah, we bring it back to uh, your, your current girlfriend. Like, how did you how did you broach the subject? Well, it's it's funny because it it was something that I didn't really want 
to ever talk about unless it like something like really it was like something i was kind of always trying to avoid but it was like until there was, it inevitably has to come has to come out yeah it was like it was just like a one day like just like watching tv kind of thing where i started to notice the breathing and then i started to like fixate on it a lot and a lot and a lot and then i was it got to a point where i was like okay definitely need to like <laughs> make it known that i suffer from this thing that this person may or may not even believe is a real thing but you know but yeah like i said she, she's super supportive about it too i was it was funny because yesterday um i was supposed to i was supposed to actually have my first like consultation like meet with a doctor for the first time um I ended up having to reschedule, but uh, I was, we were going to actually go to New York, not New York City, but um, uh, city outside of New York City, which is like quite a few hours away. And um, I had to reschedule, but um, yeah, we were going to do that yesterday and I was almost going to time up kind of perfect for this, but um, yeah, she's been helping me a lot trying to find like someone to go to to see about it and it's kind of it's kind of been hard because i there's not really a lot of doctors that really know how to or treat it at all or even even know about it so yeah it ends up being a bit of a crapshoot some people get lucky others get completely dismissed um and then the then almost the worst ones are the ones who just start to uh, Google it like real in real time and uh, <laughs> are, are just come up with all kinds of they don't really know what to make of it and then they start giving weird advice. So um, yeah, hopefully this one will will work out for you. Yeah, I was um, like as like I said before, I've never actually really talked to anybody else that experiences it. I was kind of wondering if you had ever found yourself in a situation with an like a professional. Not no, not for misophonia. I mean, I know a number of uh, audiologists and um, actually mainly audiologists uh, through the Misophonia Association Convention that I've been to, but uh, uh, and just you know experiences I've heard here on on shows. Um, some people, so yeah, some people get lucky and find somebody who knows and 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 uh, is actually also able to give them good advice. But oh yeah, a lot of the cases are just. People that sufferers go to don't don't really know what what's going on. So you tend you it depends how you know how if you're totally focused on looking for someone who knows misophonia, it ends up being like you might have to go to a number of different providers or or ask in advance. So what do you hope to get out of it then? Um, like somebody to get, you know help you with coping mechanisms um, or just talk talk it through regularly with somebody. Yeah, because. Uh... That that's actually funny you mentioned that because I I was I was thinking about it before I was supposed to go and I was like kind of thinking I was like like what can like really be done from this like what can I actually like what is actually going to help me so it's kind of like a it's kind of one of those things where it was like um like I don't even know what I possibly could like. I, I don't really know what kind of help I can get, but like if somebody is saying that they can help treat in whatever way, I'm kind of like just willing to mm -hmm. to try anything at this point. You know what I mean? 
Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I hope you some, find somebody who's uh, who's well versed and can uh, give some options. I mean, obviously, there's you know we know there's no there's no cure, there's no like um, officially sanctioned treatment, but there are yeah. um, people who can kind of maybe help you cope, whether it's through CBT or or other you know other therapeutic methods um i'm not a doctor so nobody should just come <laughs> to me for for advice but uh yeah but yeah most people it ends up um yeah i mean it's it's all the coping we all live with the coping mechanisms that uh that you can expect that you've you know you've that you've employed yourself um and um yeah honestly just you know talking about it with others that that, that sounds like you don't know anybody else who has misophonia personally in your life other than maybe your mom yeah yeah, no one. No. <laughs> I wonder if um, this might be, uh, you know, this might be kind of uh, a, little, a little too early or something that you might not be ready for. But uh, UCLA, there is a misophonia. Um, oh, I had somebody on the podcast who started the, the misophonia support group there for students. I wonder if it was easy to kind of um, make a posting or something at your school saying you know you're interested in uh, kind of a support group for misophones you might be able to find people who might be living with it in the shadows or um yeah, yeah. there might be a way to kind of to kind of um have, have, have someone to talk to who's uh who's like you yeah i mean i'm sure there are people like it like you said just like <laughs> that like to keep quiet about it <laughs> It's kind of a uh, unfortunate. It's a it's kind of a small school, but um, I feel like if there was a place where you might find more than usual, it might be at my school. So, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I'm interested. That that would be interesting. It's at uh, a place that um, a, a music school where people are generally very conscious of sound. Obviously, uh, that might be a, that might be an interesting uh, experiment to see. Uh, how many people there are are, are misophones? Um, yeah. <laughs> cool. So I guess um, have you thought about um, uh, you know so you're in I guess you said your second year or so. Have you thought about what kind of uh, work you want to do after? Is it you know straight up playing music, writing music? Um, uh, this is kind of interesting because a lot of people are uh, in school and they're worried about going into kind of an open office um, corporate environment, but uh, it doesn't sound like that was exactly the path that you would be going down um have you thought about what kind of work you want to do later and and whether it would be miso friendly yeah um well i haven't really thought about whether or not that i don't know i kind of i kind of take these experiences as they come as it pertains to misophonia but i'm actually in a music therapy major right now so um there's a that's a it's a pretty wide range of like patients I could possibly be working with after I graduate. Um, but I will generally be playing music at work, <laughs> which is, uh, I, f I feel like that's like the best possible thing I could think. Like I have to kind of make sound like in a corporate setting, I guess you could say. Yeah, so, what kind of uh, what kind of things do uh, music therapists, um, you know, for people who don't know, what what kind of things do music therapists treat? Yeah, uh, it's a it's a very very wide range, mm -hmm. and there are a lot of people that 
have more of their specific avenue as it pertains to that. Um, but it can be anything from newborn babies to adults with Alzheimer's to mental health patients. It, it can be really any wide range of things. And um, it's generally like, it's, um, it, it has a lot of different, it, it, the, the way that the therapy is administered is really dependent on the client themselves because a lot of people, so maybe sometimes your clients are actually musicians. So like you can kind of engage in like a creative or um, performative music kind of process. And then there are other people that aren't as, uh, aren't musicians or aren't capable of singing or something where the the music is more performed to them as opposed to performed mm. together. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if there is a, uh, a you know, a music therapy for misophonia that you'll discover and win a Nobel prize for yeah, <laughs> an interesting way this all comes to a conclusion. <laughs> yeah. It was all for that. Um, yeah. Interesting. Um, let's see. Yeah. It'd be interesting to hear what your, what your therapist or audiologist, uh, when you, when you end up going to them, um, says, um, how about, um, I guess we talked about it at school that, uh, you know, you kind of generally leave <laughs> if you if you need to. Do you, yeah. Have you explored like uh, you know accommodations at school, like uh, official accommodations? Um, uh, I, I would think that a, a school that where there's a music therapy major might uh, be amenable, even more amenable than some to kind of like um, helping people take you know exams or whatever in a separate room. Have you actually? I guess how are exams that you're at your, uh, at your at your college so things are super small there uh which could be good and bad um it, yeah it, definitely good how do they bad. go and yeah are, are you able to kind of get any kind of combinations or have you bought, uh, tried to ask i've never asked um we i i've kind of School hasn't been as bad as it was when I was growing up in college. So I've never really felt like a really strong need to like reach out to somebody about that. But um, well, right now it's com completely fine because I just can do it from my house alone. So like, yeah, I don't yeah. have to worry about anybody sitting next to me. So, so what I'm curious and uh, why, why um, was it your girlfriend that compelled you to um, seek out a therapist. I'm curious why, um, um, you know, you decided to go now. Maybe you just felt like this, you know, it's, it's time to mo be more assertive about this. this is a real thing. It's not going to go anywhere. Um, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm just curious what, what compelled you to, to finally make that move to go um, try to see a therapist. Um, well, it, it was, uh, it was different with like, like spending a lot of time here, like, cause I, I live with my girlfriend here and last year I was living by myself and I mean, I didn't have any problems when I was by myself. Right. Other, th other than the, the one thing was living in apartments is uh, music from other apartments, like mm -hmm. the low bass frequency. That one was, is a big one for me. But I mean, other than that, like I don't need to be present for anybody in that, scenario i can put my headphones in 
like listen to music, whatever, watch Netflix or whatever if I'm in my apartment. But right. um, in this kind of scenario, it's it was it was something that I was having to deal with more frequently and in the, in the home, which was different as opposed to like long long ago when I was a kid with my sister and whatever. But my 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 siblings were a lot older than me, so they left when I was like, they went to college and moved out when I was super young. So like mm. that wasn't something that was pervasive through my entire childhood. But again, like I was saying, it, it was more of like a, it's a thing that I'm dealing with more on a regular basis in the home, which I'm not used to. So mm -hmm. it's like, I, th I think it's just, it was, a uh, I felt more compelled to find help or to talk to people about it because it was like affecting just my comfortability when I'm at home, which is, you know, where you want to feel the most comfortable. So. Right. Right. It, did you, um, did your girlfriend know about this when you guys decided to move in together or was that something that just kind of came up as you were starting to watch movies? Right <laughs> home? Uh, no, she, she didn't know about it until after. Because okay. to be honest, there was never there was nothing really ever that triggered me too much. I mean, there was there was the food thing, but the thing about uh, that is like there's like a deadline, like you know when it's gonna stop. You know that it will stop, as opposed to other types of sounds. So, like I said, it was something that I could kind of just like let fester in me for like yeah. forty five minutes. But it was no, never like a big enough deal to bring up, I guess. Yeah, that's the coping mechanism that I've mentioned that people have mentioned on the, on the show is um, just knowing that something's going to end in advance and kind of pre um, preparing your mind for that or reminding your mind that it will end soon can be, uh, well, it's not going to hurt. <laughs> it can yeah. only benefit um, yeah. uh, just, you know, letting your mind know that nothing's going to come and attack you during that, uh, during that time. Um, how are then? How are like um, how are holidays with your parent uh, with your family? It sounds like you have more than just that one sister, right? Is it uh, um, around Thanksgiving and Christmas or whatever? Is it uh, is it rough? Is it manageable? Um, well, yeah, I have one other brother, but um, usually for big holidays, when because my brother doesn't live in Cleveland either, and so it's kind of like we all come back for like those major holidays and um but we have a really big extended family so a lot of those holidays are spent with like i swear it's like it's like 50 people at thanksgiving mm. it's like it's like really crazy but like i don't mind those situations because i really like loud sounds mm -hmm. and um it's more about the quiet rooms where things are a little bit bothersome but uh yeah so those for those types of things i, I don't have much of a problem but uh in, in the more quiet like at home like just immediate family kind of settings it, it is it is a, a bit of a problem but like i said it's like with eating i i get the same feelings of rage but it's like it's more of like a I, I, I'm just able to remind myself more that I'm not going to have to deal with it for that much longer. Right, right. So, yeah. 
no that's that's good advice um well yeah we're i mean we're um yeah i'm curious we're, we're you know we're heading up uh, towards the uh towards the the hour i'm curious um yeah now like uh want to turn it over to you like do you have any any anything you want to kind of any final thing you want to let listeners know um i know this is the first time you've talked to anybody about misophonia but carry a set of earplugs definitely good advice yeah actually, <laughs> so i keep talking about uh earbuds but uh a lot of i i earplugs are usually not enough for me um i'm curious if, if you carry your plugs around i'm assuming you probably do as a musician so it's good to have a, a pair especially if you're right next to the drummer but yeah uh, does that does that help earplugs yeah yeah it, it you know, does like, i you know, like I, a go-to I, brand um that, that you swear by uh no I, I i generally just go for like the packs of the like uh, that you can get at like a, like a drugstore yeah, yeah that kind of thing Th- those those work good for me and i usually like cut the ends off so people can't see them that kind of ah, thing. <laughs> gotcha yeah. okay kind of blends in like my hair is a little long too so like you can't really see them under both so yeah that's kind of a good thing <laughs> yeah yeah but it, but the thing about that is like um, it's a little bit with the the thing that bothers me about that is just like how much frequency range is like cut off. It's like very like they can get like kind of muffled. So I, I do want to get some more like custom fitted ones soon. Yeah, um, yeah, they they can. Yeah, there's all kinds of um, all kinds of earplugs you can get uh, depending on how much you want to pay. Um, and how customized you want them to be so yeah very cool well um yeah patrick thanks uh thanks for coming on this is yeah really interesting uh really interesting to get a perspective from a music major and someone going to music therapy that's uh that's really interesting and uh yeah i hope i hope it was good to talk about it it's always good to have somebody who's never talked about it with anyone before um so hopefully this was helpful yeah and thanks for having me on this is a a very cool thing that you're doing because i it was a, a like about a month ago i was just like i wonder if there's a podcast about this and there was oh is that <laughs> i was gonna ask is that literally kind of what you what you asked yourself if there was a podcast about it yeah i, I just yeah. typed in misophonia on the podcast app and this was the first thing that came up right. i was like there's a whole entire podcast dedicated to this yeah. this is awesome thank you patrick so glad you came on and shared your story If you liked this episode, please leave a quick review or just hit the five stars wherever you listen to this podcast. Find us on social media at Misophonia Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok or Misophonia Show on Twitter. You can find all the links on the website, misophoniapodcast.com, and you can contact me from there if you like. Music, as always, is by Moby. And until next week, wishing you peace and quiet.